1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Tony nominations are announced tomorrow. It's Tony time, award season. You know what that means? It's also Tony party time. I'm sponsoring a big old Tony party. I hope you can come. Invitations will be going out to all members of the Producers Perspective Pro. So check out the ProducersPerspectivePro.com. On to the podcast. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. I want to be a
0: producer. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Hello, everybody. This is the Producer's Perspective podcast. I am Ken
0: Davenport. I am super excited to have a superstar director choreographer with us today. Please welcome to the podcast Tony Award, Olivier Award, Emmy Award, Drama Desk Award, and Outer Critics Award-winning director choreographer Rob Ashford. Welcome, Rob. Hi, Ken. Nice to be. So, I first met Rob on what I believe was your very first Broadway choreographer credit, right on Thoroughly Modern Millie. Thoroughly Modern Millie was first. The first, and he just happened to win a Tony Award for his first show out of the gate, just like that. I, I was blessed, and, and lucky, and it was a thrill, thrill to start out. Plus, and it was a great show. Yeah, it, show. it was a great show to work on, and it was a great group to to work with. You know, we did our out-of-town first in La Hoya, and we were waiting for our theater, waiting to come in, you know, after that, and we were doing some work on the show, of course, as you always do, and then 9-11 happened, and our little group, Michael Mayer, Jenny, Sorry, Dick Scanlon, we we kind of survived that time by working on the early modern work. We got together every week, we had a full day of work session every week to just keep us focused, keep us working, keep us creating and and it made such a huge difference in the show overall, I think, in the comments so it was a, a great experience as well as so amazing. And done a ton more shows, including directing and choreographing the revivals of How to Succeed, Promises, Promises, Avida, and If You Think He Can Only Do Musicals. While well, in London, he directed Streetcar Named Desire at the Donmar Warehouse, Anna Christie, and here, Kavanaugh Hots Ruth Macbeth. He's choreographed for the Kennedy Center Honor for the Academy Awards multiple times, and also directed and choreographed The Sound of Music Live and Peter Pan Live for NBC. So my first question—it's a doozy. Ready? Yes, is it true yeah. you're from Beckley, West Virginia? It is very true. I am from Beckley, West Virginia. I did summer stock there. Did you? What happens in the woods? Uh, no, I did it at what well, the very short-lived West Virginia State Music Theater ran for two seasons. Oh, really? Yeah, we have. The, there's that's how I got started in this business. There's an outdoor summer stock theater that does a, a musical retelling of the okay. and the Boys. The few that and that's uh five nights a week, and two mm-hmm. nights a week is a uh, kind of a Civil War drama, *Company of the rock. And they they both had musical a- aspects, they both they all had dancers, and that was kind of what we all grew up on in my town. That was the only theater we had, and so we everybody would go every summer, even though the we shows were the same, different cast. That's where I uh I fell in love with. So, you were a performer, obviously. The so, then what I I went uh, on my summer of graduating from high school, I went to the office, I was very bold. I went to John Benjamin, who was the artistic director at the time, went to his office and basically just asked if I could meet him. And he, I, I came in, I, said, I was the president of the Thespian Society at my high school. And I love having a voice, and I'd love to be in it. I think he thought that I was so bold that he actually put me in it. As an extra, I made $35 a week. I had a small part in Hatfields, uh, I was one of the McCoy sons, and a wonderful death scene. Only two lines, but a wonderful death scene. And a small part, one line, in Honey and the Rock. And then uh, my third summer there, first day rehearsal, one of the dancers didn't show up. And they came up to me and said, I don't know want, but could you possibly fill in for this to we get someone here to take this position? And I said, sure, I would love to because I had done the show for two seasons before. I had a, I knew what the, the dances were. There was a big funeral dance that was quite dramatic and very Martha grand that, that I loved. And so I just tried to, I just, I just stood in until they got a guy there, but actually it came very naturally to me. They thought I was doing great, so they didn't replace me, and I stayed in that position. And the dance captain who had gone in was Sunita Akers, and she had gone to Point Park College. She came up to me and said, Do you know to be a dance with you. And I said, mm-hmm. she said Yes, I absolutely do. Really. And I was in uh, pre law at Washington University at the time, so I've done two years of that. And uh, she, so she invited the head of the jazz to see the show, teach class, you know the moose So wait a minute, because this flies in the face of every convention I've ever heard about dancers. So you didn't start when you were two 20, years old. 20. Twenty years old as a dancer. Wow. Well I had determination and I had I never played sports or anything in school. So I didn't have like football muscles or soccer muscles that had to be retrained. I had more muscles. So they, it was very Adaptable to the to the dancing, so I call my parents and say I'm not going back to W&L I'll be a lawyer. And when you graduated from school, did you then just truck up here to New I, York? I came and- right to New York. I moved here with Kathleen Marshall, who we did. She didn't go to Point Park, but she her family lived in Pittsburgh. She was grad. She graduated from Smith the same time I graduated from Point Park, and we uh, her dad practiced in the U Hall, and we uh, moved to New York. And obviously, started dancing in a bunch of shows, yeah, right? started. I was very lucky. Anything goes with my first show that I did. I got It was got thrilled to be a part of that. It was, bit, it was an exciting, it was a very exciting time. a lot of wonderful energy around that show. So that was fun. That was my first show. And when did you say, okay, I think I want to start choreographing? I think I, well, I create well, to things. You know, I was at the time when I fr- first I was in i had done a tour of Kiss of Spider-Man as a dance captain uh, and swing so and we got to work with the amazing Chico. When they were doing a company, they were setting a company of Spider-Man, and of guys, Rob Marshall, who was a choreographer, couldn't go and he sent me down to stage the show. So I was down there with Hop Prince in Argentina and I was uh, restaging all Rob's choreography. So it was unfortunate fortunate, thrilling moment because, one, I didn't have to worry about what the steps were and if they were good, because they were really good, and, and I had been taught what they all meant by Rob himself. So I didn't have any worries about that, but yet I still had all the responsibilities of being the on-site group, of, of teaching the steps, of trying to teach the acting on top of the steps, to try to, to help get the... The, the acting points across even with the language barrier and I fell in love with that process and then fortunately just to solidify it the same thing happened in Tokyo they did a company in Tokyo brought to wouldn go and sent me and I was able to do it again in Japan so those two experiences of being a lieutenant and getting to be on the other side of the table and trying to and, and Really t- understanding about acting through dance, or trying to understand it and trying to teach that. I really made really me excited about that. Came back from that, I went into, you know, thank you, Rod Marshall. I went into Victor Victoria as a dance captain, so I took Julie Andrews' interest and, and it was during that I was swinging as well, I was one of the smaller guys, so if you remember the show, but I, I was being thrown around a lot in three heels, and my body was just yeah. So I actually felt like I was losing my love of performing because I was too worried about being injured and, and getting through it. And and so it wasn't so fun for me. Either. So that's when I decided maybe I should try to do the other least at least give it a go. It's such a pivotal moment, I think, in so many people's lives when they get to a point of they've been doing something for, that they started off loving for 10 years, whatever, and they get to a point where they're like, I don't love this anymore. And so many people most people stay doing that thing and then end up miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you jumped out and Well I was very I was lucky after lucky, you know, to to know Rob Marshall and have his influence and his help but also helped Because after working with him on Spain in Argentina and, and Tokyo, when this moment happened to me and I said, I think I'd like to worry about it. and I, I just went to him and sentenced and he that's when they said, "Well, I'm getting ready to do this new musical, Parade, Lincoln Center, and I'll speak to uh, uh, first of all for Danny as your know, the and second is Pat Birch, and I'll speak to Danny and, and tell him I want you to be his assistant, you know, And so Hal put me on Parade as an assistant choreographer, uh, first for Danny and then for Pat Birch when she took over for Danny, and, uh, which was also a wonderful opportunity. And the other thing was, I, I said to Hal, "I want to be a performer show me your voice." show me He helped me. He and, and Brad Rouse who ran, ran his office. He they helped me set up this whole they did a, a two week workshop of I created two dances. One is kind of a story ballet that it was fifteen minutes long. Twenty people, twenty of the dancers that I was working with in Victoria and Spider Women and all my friends the end on the street that were in this and then one short smaller piece, about five minutes about four people. One of the dancers that I knew his boyfriend was the company manager for Martha Graham, so he got me to Martha Graham studio, over at old studio on in the '60s on the East Side before they tore it down. So we had the, the run of the studio, and you're sitting in Martha Graham's chair with the Gucci table beside too. It felt like you know very exciting and daunting. So we did these two pieces. How came? How brought some people? Brought some casting people. Brought some other general managers. Brought. A couple of other people, whoever would come, another 20 people, and somehow uh, came and watched, watched me do my first thing and gave me notes afterwards. Lots of notes, good ones, very good ones, the ones I try to always keep in mind. It's so funny, I was the company manager on that parade workshop in Toronto. In oh, yeah. Toronto? Yeah, I yeah, remember? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, yeah. I, so, I that was Danny. Yes. And what's so funny is I remember watching you work because it was a challenging workshop, many it's levels. A, it was very challenging. And I remember watching you work through some of those challenges. And just I've, I've had this moment many times in my span in the industry where I've been like, oh, that person is going to be a star. Whether it was Kristen Chenoweth and Steel Pierre, sure, sure. or sure, sure. this moment, I remember seeing you work going like your mind was just all over it and solving those challenges. It all just came back to right me. So, lots of our choreographers in our business have gone on to be director choreographers yeah. of musicals, great right? ones, the bosses and bands, etc. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that uh, it's a an natural progression, I think. And I think that, you know, in, in, in the search in a musical for uh, a whole, a complete whole, and if you're in charge of, of how a show moves, in essence, as the choreographer, and some more than others, some directors like to have a hand in that, and some love to just hand it to you and have you do it. You know, the, the more you do that, the more you realize, and if you're creating a dance based on character, well, I mean, you're doing all that work anyway. So other than, and also if you're lucky you and get to work, with really good directors, which I got to work with, people like Scott Ellis and Rand John Randall, Mark Rokoff, that included me in the design process, included me in the cast, included me in all of it. And I was I was inside it with, with these guys, and they allowed me to be and welcomed me. And so I learned a lot about that as well. And thankful for that. But they could have kept me out completely. It was just like the music starts here, and they quit singing, and you, know, you do the dance, and then off. So so that was was good. It it is, if you have any, if you want to try to keep growing, try to keep being better. And so the idea of directing a musical felt like uh, something I wanted to try. So that that progression, as you say, it's natural, it happens a lot. Now, not many of our choreographers of musicals go on to be great directors of plays. Which is something you've been able to do. How did you make that transition? Well, I have to say again, that, you know, there's always you know these great people that you know champion you. mine was Michael Grandage, and that was my the first time I directed a musical. The first time I directed anything was uh, *The Donna* parade, and I was choreographing *A Vita* with Michael in London, and I had just done *Guys in with Michael in London, who on the He says, "You know, you are a director who's." And I said, I don't know what you mean. You are a director. The way you create the dances, the way you talk to the actors. The way your mind works is a director's mind. Who happens to be choreographing at the moment? If you were to direct a musical, say, at the Don Mar, where he was the interesting director, and I said, well, musical I love the most, but I would love to do, and I feel like, you know, I'd like to get a shot at it as a role, Because I love the show, and I believe in it so much. listen to it and read it and came back and said, Direct great. Um, Don Do it. Do, do your first musical. Direct your first anything. It, um, I directed Parade, it went very well and loved doing it and loved the experience. And I said to Michael, and that's when I got offered to do um, All the other directing musicals came, came forward then. And I said to Michael, I can't thank you enough. Tennessee Williams, of course, because I'm a southern boy, as an "Well, I love streetcar, but I can't do streetcar. He's like, Why can't you do streetcar? That's kind of street and I was My first play, the mentioned should start something else. Maybe something Or something that's not streetcar named Desire. And Neil Simon, maybe? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. And, yeah. Maybe. and he's like, He says, do streetcar. Do streetcar. And so then he gave me that opportunity to direct my first play, right on the tail of directing my first musical. And we got Gary you know, and She played. With this you know, Stella, and an amazing experience and a the trip to and that's how that came about. So that was that was Michael Grandage believing me and giving me that opportunity. Is your when you work with stars or actors? Is your rehearsal room for a musical different than your rehearsal room for a play? It's the same. It's the same muscles. It's just you know like a, a little. Disc- I mean, the only difference between a musical and a play is lot less. In a play, a, you're sitting in you know, and there's and you don't have a, a, a big group up there with you. You don't have uh, the directors and, and all of those, those folks you know, that you would have you the it's the same idea. It's the same exact idea. You don't usually have a second wing building. You know, usually you are the a Unless there's some combat or something like that. I mean, we did that at uh, the Manchester Festival and then, and then we did it here at the Armory. <laughs> you know, show started with doing the battle scene. So there was a some side rehearsals going on with that and we the, moved doing the scenes and things, but uh, no, it's pretty much the process. What's your process when you create a musical number? Like, I think a lot of people know, oh, a writer sits down to write, or a composer sits down to the piano. How do you, as a choreographer, come up with those steps? The steps are almost the last thing, if not the last thing. I mean, the thing of the fun part is. You get an idea, and you get in a room with great assistants like Addis and Charlie Bansley. and then you get David Chase. you know, and you just sit there, and you start exploring it, exploring the characters and the situation, intellectually yeah. trying to figure out how do these people move, how, how do we have their movement define who they are, That's how it's seen for example, yeah. and, and promises both sit in offices in the 60s, both in kind of... Uh, uh, the difference was the office of promises was a you know it's a very efficient kind of place but with a, uh, a slight push towards this idea of the secretary the, the secretary's uh, idea of the dynamic between sheldrake and Fran, and then and also with Fran. so it's um, an interesting dynamic if you want to just like have pepper through there? the same with uh, how to succeed creating an office how did of that how does the office move and then how do people that aren't part of the office move? And you just start to, trying to figure out who are the who are the the people that that people were watching in films at the time. Like Hetty LaRue. Who does Hetty LaRue? Who did who did she want to be? Who did she imagine that she was? was she's Marilyn, you know. So she imagines herself as mm-hmm. kind of Marilyn and that that helped define her move. All those things is and then you have know, the music before you and you have someone's crazy things really you know, pull the themes from all from the entire score and put it into this and lift this. I mean it's a, it's an really exciting, exciting thing to So that's what we do first to get a get an arrangement get an arrangement and then put the steps to it. You've been able to pull some great performances out of some big stars. You just talked about the Olivia for Rachel and of course, one of the greatest star performances I've seen in recent years was Daniel Ratcliffe in How to Succeed because it was so unexpected and he was so fantastic. Is there a secret to working with stars of that magnitude? Well, I think that you know the thing is that one you have to want to work, and then you'll and then you just have to you know it's always bespoke. Everything's bespoke. Everything is make it for them, create it for them, because the most important thing is that they look amazing. It's not about you looking amazing. I say that was the thing too after um, after doing Streetcar with Rachel, and she says she said I, I was. So, I was worried at first, you know, you coming from a choreographic background, that you were going to choreograph the show. She goes, and it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. It was actually kind of just the opposite. She said, it was just actually very free. But, and I think it helps in play instead of doing choreography because they did. I make up a dance in the studio for Danielle but or Charlotte Dunbar, it doesn't matter. Whichever one, you know, and if Charlotte's left leg kicks better than her right, then why would I insist on I mean, the right? Same with Daniel. If he if he spins better to the right, and even though in the room we made it up to the we made the spins to the left, let's we'll change to the right. Because he looks good too or maybe he doesn't look good at the spins at all. We'll change Because completely. So what's the point? What does it mean? Why why do that? Why play that power game with them and have them not at their very, very best? So uh when we talked to Daniel about doing it and we did a little reading of it and he said that's that's the only thing I'm telling you. I'll work in the singing, I'll work in the act. I said, I can't believe it. I can't. I said, someone is as physical as you are in your body as you have and You've been studying with someone for months. You had one set for a lot of water. You came mm-hmm. twice a week or something to class and I said, I think you were the wrong person. So I hooked him up with, with one of my associates in London. He was shooting at the time and started working with him. And I got a text from Dan like, a month later and said, I was wrong. And so what we did was, but again, to try to help him, because he was anxious about that, and I wanted him to walk into rehearsal completely confident in that part. If that was the part he was the least confident. And so we did his choreography first. We did it early. We worked on it We videoed it. We sent it to Spencer, who was there working with him. And Spencer worked with him. Spencer would report back and the video, report back when we could say, okay, the spins are better left, not right. We switch it up, we change it, we send the note. And so he, he came in and rehearsed with all his dancing. And that's not normally how we would do it. And we would teach him ourselves and teach him in the room. But because I felt like this is something that's, that you don't want to put a stumbling block, you don't want to come in with the confidence. And you know what? The first day we taught Brotherhood a Man. And there he was leading it for the company, for these incredible dancers. And there he was, right in the middle of doing it and doing it with confidence that he. He won them all over, nothing mm-hmm. they needed winning over. And he won something. It establishes him as the company leader yeah. for sure. All of that. You, just to, you just need to think of all that. You need to think you know, all that matters. So, you know? so smart this I mean, obviously a big part of psychology of what you do with these with these folks and in, with the entire productions. Well, you know, I was a dance captain in I showed you learn how to how to deal with people. People as individuals, not on mass. You know how to give notes and you know how to get what you need out people that's something you learned from being a dance So that was valuable now. You know, knowing how to how I give you a note and how I give someone else a note a completely different. And, and it's not belittling to me or it's my job. So it takes a little more energy to give a certain person a note and that they need a little bit more uh, you know, protection than do as long as they're gonna do the best out there, but, you said something that maybe want to ask you about again about your play versus musical process. Obviously, as a choreographer, you create those dances, you get everyone in the room, you teach those dances. Mm-hmm. When you're directing a play, do you create the staging in advance? Do you say, "I'm going to have her cross here, go I, to the bed"? I, I have a very basic idea, and that's used, and that's usually based on. Uh, I often think of directing a scene like um, a schema, and I think of flags. You just see flags along the way. So, like, what I would do in the same streetcar, I would say to Rachel, I would say, um, you know, the entrance is down, right? Whatever. I'll set all those things. That's the door, that's the street, that's all that. And then all, then I just say, it'd be great if when you tell her about Belle Reeve, you were at the table. And it would be great if when Stanley enters, you were up by that column. Just just those little just those ideas that I think, are. and then when they when you give them three or four flags, then they will just work their good actors will just work their way around. You read reviews? I do read them. I read them. I I usually read them in hindsight, and I don't mean like years, but like maybe not in that moment, like not that night. And because I I I've learned it's just I just want to try to stay in that moment with everybody. I mean, I have great. And and some people that let me know I know what's going on, I'm not oblivious to it. And they I trust them completely and they tell me, you yeah, know, you should you should give Daniel you should give so some help, you should do whatever it is, whoever it is that might need that attention. And then I kinda of take it from them and then, you know, a week or two later and I'll I'll meet them. I think there's something to be learned. Has it always been the case? Were you fine when you just started and you were younger? Were you reading them like, yes. oh God, I got to see what the challenge are saying Yeah, 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 yes, I was. I did. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 um, it puts you off balance. And then it was just trying to also, because I, I was going to do that, then I also had to say everything else that other people had. It got really out of whack, you know, in our town, particularly. It's different in London. London helped me understand the balance of all that the biggest change you've seen in the industry over the last couple of decades. Changed. I mean one thing that I I do recall it was back in the beginning, back in the mm-hmm. early days and all that. I do know that it was tough to get a theater but I, I don't remember how it was I don't remember all that the ideas of waiting for years to get one of the free theaters and, and um, the power those guys who hold those cards and deciding who's handsome people decide like, bit of you know, it's know whether it's on win or whether it's on market research or focus groups or allegiances I have no idea but I, I just I, you know no one said when we were doing milling no one said who's nil? Does she have an Oscar? Does she have an, how many Oscars does she have how many Emmys does she have? How many that wasn't like that. This is gonna be really good, isn't it? And thank God they didn't say that because look who they yeah, found exactly. out of that. Yeah, we yeah, never yeah. would have had a sudden foster no, if there exactly. was a Timmy or a Oscar. Ap- ap- absolutely. So I don't remember that then. I just remember it was about finding like great people. And of course if you you were lucky enough to, you know, have a show that interested in suited Pay upon how great to have her negating that at all but it just didn't seem to be this crazy focus yeah. and I think we're being educated by television and all that stuff. we can get any of that anytime we want now so I think we're becoming a bit more discerning about choosing what we like so I think that for people like yourself and people like me the creators and producers it's up to us to not wait for journalists to tell the world what our show is. It's up to us to tell the world what our show is and be clear about it, to be strong about it. And I, I something I learned, you know, I you just mentioned earlier really that I'd done the Oscars a few years and I knew Craig, Clayton and Neil Mayor, when they started producing the Oscars, yes, and they asked me to come in into the stage of the Oscars for them. And I learned a lot from them in that because I think the way that it had always seemed the way it in the past, I know there. But that you wait for the nominations to come out and you figure out what your show is. But what only Craig said was, let's work on the show, let's create the show, and then we know there'll be nominees and we know that things will plug in and we know what the, the awards are and we know that, okay, then that can switch that and maybe we'll get that person here because they But not to like, wait to do the show. And then we started working on the show in October totally for our show, designing it and creating the numbers and who we want to have as the as musical guests and all that kind of stuff and that's proper time to create a show because we had to decide what the show was going to be. We didn't wait until the the nominators decided what the show was going to be. They decided who was going to be nominated but we decided Neil and Craig decided along with their team who was going what the show was going to be. That's that's wise and I think we can take that lesson in our business. Let's us be very clear about what the show is so, speaking of film and television, when you were first approached about directing Sound of Music, what was your first thought? Well, first thought was the live part, not scary at all. That was the part that everyone was so anxious about, you know, it's going to be live. You know, we do live all the time. And also, we do the time that it matters the most. You know, I've done the, the Tonys for so many years, the Oscars. Those are live and then those are in this moment. So I'm used to focusing on all of that, and that part doesn't scare me. People making mistakes, that, that idea doesn't really scare me. It was the logistics of it. It was the idea of staging and rehearsing an entire Broadway musical. You know, we through like, the first year of the Music, we were in like the most inappropriate rehearsal space imaginable. And it's just because no one really knew what it was. Second year, Peter Pan, we got a proper rehearsal space where we could actually theoretically go from set to set and get a sense of of how to travel. This idea of creating the entire show in a room, in a rehearsal room, which is the idea, but without capability and no, none of that in the rehearsal room. I mean, I created it with ideas in mind, shots in mind, focus in mind, but it's not exactly the same thing. And then going out to this sound stage and kind of starting all over. And so the logistics of all that was strictly along with, you know, whole different sets of rules. And not just the network rules, I mean, people play past those rules. It's all set up for a whole different thing. It was, it was, like, it was cheaper. I mean, for some reason, by the rules, and that has to do with featured players and all this stuff, for some reason it was a lot cheaper to work at 4 9. try to imagine your face when someone said Can yeah, you yeah. just do four? Yeah. yeah. Just four at the time. But they're just they're just following their rules. That's just the rules they work under and it's just the you know and so um all all the rules just do I mean it's a challenge I was a, a challenge. And also because it's great deal on my Part of that the beginning mine, Was it that that night was it carry? I think this? I think when we go into the parking lot either that day or the day before trucks so. and and things that. Oh, that that's the that's the spare generator in case the whole the whole complex goes down and you can turn that just the idea of it having to happen at that moment, no like that Kind of stress me, and also the weird thing of it being the big night and being seeing people that I've the before. Everything's exactly the same. Like this is the one that you see people. Advice for directors starting out today, some 20 year old that's never danced before, gotta getting into the business. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, don't don't be afraid. And if you're afraid, that's good because I think mean, being afraid is what keeps us growing keeps us getting better and taking more you challenges. And I would say that you know there's no secret formula it's just finding what you what you have to offer what you like what your interests are what your loves are and just and just try to you know cultivate those into, and, to, and to get yourself in there I think that it's very different that's one difference between different you and their pros and cons of both all pros which is different is that uh, we feel here I think our younger folks here feel like they have to wait so long for they get their chance. And I feel like the, young, the younger folks I think we get a chance where we'll I think they make a chance happen. And I just think that we need a bit more happier. We need to get the younger folks here starting out, I think more not of not not a, not a chance. You know not Okay, my last question, yeah. which is my James Lipton-like genie oh. question. I want you to imagine that the genie from Aladdin comes to visit you, <laughs> knocks on your door, and says thank you for your incredible contributions to the theater, to the film, and television by granting you one wish. What's the one thing that drives you so crazy about Broadway? that gets you angry, would have you throwing things in a room, so mad. That you'd ask this genie to wish away the one thing. I think, I think would, I would wish for all of us working in business to trust your own instincts, trust your own likes, don't be cheap. I couldn't have said it more succinctly myself. That is just a perfect way to end this. Thank you very much for being right. here. And thanks to all of you for listening. You heard it from Rob Ashford. Go
1: out. Do not be cheap. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. So check out the ProducersPerspectivePro.com and hope you'll celebrate with us. (sighs)